So let's start out here. You know, it's been a month of different people speaking into our community and confirming what God's saying to us. And I want to take this morning because I felt like it was so important to have a debrief. This is going to be a real gift to those of you who are either first-time visitors or who haven't been here for a while. It's just for you. Um, But it's also for those of you who might have missed a week or two here and there. And, you know, I want to say this. I had a swimming coach that used to say, you miss one practice, it's like two weeks. Like, you know, because when you're in intense training and you're in intense fast-paced, lots of stuff going on, you miss a day, it's like a week. And so I want to tell you that for being in this church, God has us on such an accelerated path. There is so much happening. And you know, in a, in a season like summer where everyone's traveling, vacationing, things like that, it's possible to miss a week or two here and there. And I want to encourage you, if you have Go and listen online to that message because I'm telling you, there's, you know how they say like you can't take something out of context? Well, you can't take one message out of a whole season of intensity of God like leading us and guiding us and training us. And so a lot of it builds on one another. You can't take a a little statement out of a message and say, oh, what's that all about? No, it's about the whole message. Like context is everything, especially when we're dealing with scripture. And especially when you're dealing with a Kairos moment, a God-appointed time where he's saying, I am going to lead my people through a journey. Can you imagine if someone took a break in the, in the journey toward the promised land? They would have missed an important lesson from the Lord. So even if you're traveling, even if you're vacationing, don't miss the messages. Think about them. I'll tell you, we had, I'm going to just summarize a few of the things that have been said over the past couple months because I think the last time I preached was a month ago. It's been a lot of different voices speaking in and that's been intentional because I'm like, God, we are in a critical season. We want like a lot of voices speaking into this and sharing and, you know, Josiah and Steve and Stephanie have all shared like really powerful messages that I took notes on the whole thing and prayed about. But when you go back and you look over like I've done this past week or two in my devotion time, I went back and listened and looked at my notes on my phone through those past messages. I'm like, man, I don't remember that being said. This is powerful. And then you start seeing common threads throughout like the past two months of messages, of words from people that don't even really know our community. They just know the Lord and they speak and affirm what God is saying. So one of the pivotal events that happened was the death of Roberto Miranda. You know, he's he was a father in the faith. He was on our church board. He's a pastor from Boston, very large and successful church down there, and a leader in the Hispanic community. And we were very close, dear friends, love to just like break bread together, like nice, good food. We're both foodies. He's sophisticated in his palate and just, you know, appreciates, you know, fineries. And we would get together like We'd go to Tuscan, and he'd be like, wow, what a sophisticated display of imported foods. <laughs> I mean, it's just, he appreciates culture. He appreciates food, things like that. Well, one of the things, we went to his funeral, and the message was on a mantle of tension. 
That's what was on his life. And they, they said, you know, he was in pursuit of the anointing as well as intelligence. And, and I'm saying this because I feel like our church is based in this mantle of tensions, right? Anointing. We want the anointing of God, but we have not thrown out our brains and intelligence. It's a tension, right? Good things are intention. There was a tension of excellence and frugality. You know, he ended up building this multi-million dollar complex in the middle of the city, just a block or two from Methadone Mile. And he would be out there, you know, he would, and he did this for a fraction of the cost. He just milked every penny to make the money go further so that they could build a more, build a more, more beautiful facility. We have so many commonalities between us, our ministries. Um, he was also a staunch conservative, a voice for marriage, which caused massive contention in Massachusetts because that was not the populist opinion. Yet, he was intention as a social advocate, literally himself walking down Methadone Mile, sharing the gospel, sending teams out there. Powerful, powerful man. An asset of the kingdom. He also had attention of great efforts and trust. He did not say, oh, just trust the Lord. We'll see what he'll do. He trusted the Lord and, and with all his heart, but yet he rolled up his sleeves and he worked tirelessly to see it come to pass. Roberto also, the lesson he demonstrated in his life is the powerful tension between love and truth. You know, love, that sacrificial laying your life down, agape love, the love that Jesus did when he went to the cross. Yet he also had this love for truth. And he paid a high price in Boston, Massachusetts for standing for what the, the word of God says is truth. So the same people he loved and served and laid down his life for, he also declared homosexuality is wrong according to scripture, which is the plumb line of the universe. He demonstrated incredible tension and balance in everything he did. That's one lesson we learned in this past couple of months. The other one is Ben Murray came and he talked about delighting yourself in God. It is the foundation to all pursuits. And that's why I'm saying if you hear anything, folks, that's outside of this foundation piece of desiring the Lord first, then you're taken out of context. When we talk about abundance, and wealth, like Kenesha brought out and confirmed. This season we're in of land, wealth, souls. If you hear wealth as a substitute for foundation of placing Jesus Christ and his kingdom first, you have missed it gravely. That would be called idolatry. You have wealth as an idol. That is not what we're saying when God's promising wealth. We're saying God is promising wealth so that we can fund his initiatives on this earth. Get into a little about that when we talk about Kenesha because I think it's incredibly important. You know, Dan Lee. Dan Lee confirmed many things, but one of them was that we'd be a prototype to demonstrate a new model for church. Right? He talked about a prototype in evangelism. 
right? This isn't just track attacks on the street corner. This is doing things and inviting the world into our living room and saying, let us express the love and welcome of God's heart to you. That's what we do through festivals, through outreach, through the farm programs. There's just all kinds of things that we do saying, oh, we don't care if you're Christian or not, just come. We want to express the Father's heart to you, that you might know him and decide to follow him. Let us show you genuine relationship. Let us show you love. We'll let the Holy Ghost show you the truth. Entrepreneurism. Something we've talked about for a long time. Business. All of these things that God is breathing on his church that we can partner. Could he provide a billion dollars from a wealthy oil tycoon? Well, of course he could. But more in line with God's heart and his character is, I'm going to cause my people to respond to me appropriately and obey. I'm going to bless them a bit, and they're going to say, wow, God is faithful. I'll do this again. Developing a heart of pursuing God that you might be a partner in his work with him versus you just receiving something from him and then you say, thank you, God. God wants you involved. I mean, he could have done anything he want on the face of the earth, but he chose to involve humans in his mission so he could be part of their family and part of their purposes. This is a powerful lesson, powerful confirmation. This idea of, of discipleship. You know, he said you're going to be a prototype for evangelism, entrepreneurism, discipleship. And he also spoke of cultural influence. He said, the word over your church will be unorthodox because we're pioneering. We're, we're pushing in in a way that not many people are pushing in that way. Not many people are expressing these things. It's going to be an inspiration. It's going to be a model for people to say, oh, thank you for paving the way. This is successful. God's hands in it. Dan Lee also expressed the centrality of Christ necessary in massive harvest and growth that is coming. That we cannot have our eyes on anything but Christ. We have to be obedient. See, you put all these things together, and it is a clear message. God is saying, I'm going to do an incredible, massive new thing in your midst. Will you trust me? Will you keep your eyes on me? Will you obey me? I hope you're hearing the word of the Lord. You know, he also, Dan Lee, encouraged us to build broad relationships in preparation. Target people you know least and get to know them better. You know, because relationship is going to be foundational to us as a one-minded family welcoming in a lot of other people. You have a chance now to build relationships in the absence of crowds of people. Take advantage of that. Don't just spend the summer gravitating toward your best friends. Have people over for dinner. Invite them into your home. Build relationships. This is your chance. He also said outpouring is coming. Don't mess it up. And then he gave us a prescription of how, how can you not mess up an outpouring? Just love the Lord. That's what he said. 
Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you won't mess up God fulfilling his promises. It's so simple. But we make it so difficult because we are, we are perfectionists, masters at idolatry. We just can't seem to keep our hearts on the Lord. It is about him and him only, his kingdom, his leadership. We get drawn away by other lovers, by sin, enticed by deception and false things and counterfeits. And he's like, I just, it's so simple. Just love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and I will give you the desires of your heart. Like, I created you to bless you. Don't you understand that? And you know, in my own life, there's been many times that I've, I mean, even from when I was graduated high school, in the top couple of my class, I had dreams to go to Ivy League school. I ended up going to BU. And after one year, I did more uniting campuses in the Boston area and having prayer initiatives and attending other groups and building relationships that I said, you know, I don't want to go into medicine anymore, biomedical engineering. I want to just like see God move on the face of the earth. That's where I'm thrilled. And so I literally left that and took a position as a janitor at a church and enlisted in an internship program. And then eventually went and got my master's degree, working on my doctorate. But the point is, is that God continually tests you and says, are you willing to lay down what I've promised you for me? What would you, would you be like, Abraham, and lay down your Isaac? Can you imagine taking the very promise that was given to you? It was in your hands already. And God said, lay it down. Give it back to me. Oh, I could think of many rationalizations and arguments against God to say, oh, this can't be you, Lord. You wouldn't do. You wouldn't do. You wouldn't do. But Abraham said, Lord, anything that's on your heart, you are the provider of all things. You are the God of promise. I will take you over a promise any day. And he followed through and God intervened. And I'll tell you, everything that I have personally laid down in my life God has given to me later after I laid it down. And I'm telling you, folks, he is not a cruel God. He is not a God that's out to get you. He truly wants to bless you, but he will not do it and watch you commit adultery with another lover. He wants to ensure that if he releases promises to you, he'll have you lay it down first. He wants to be the supreme one and only creator of the heavens and the earth, the lover of your soul. He wants to be the object of affection and adoration and worship. Okay, are you alive out there still? Is this too heavy duty or are you okay? Dan said we are in a season where all hands are on deck. And then he's followed it with something so unique. He said, it's so rare 
so precious. It's time to put lesser things aside. It's time to fight for a city. Then he said, you'll have a voice of influence or influence in the town. Then he said, saying yes to a new season may sever your connection to the old season. You know, I want to challenge you today too and cause you to like think and go in prayer and ask God, is there anything I'm holding on to too firmly that you want to let me to let go of so that you can release a full blessing and a full affirmation of walking in the goodness of God? Ask yourself, this, is, this should be a life group question. Is there anything that you are afraid to let go of in the current season to be able to enter into the new season? And then something you don't want to hear today, this tent is a fire. On the edge of incineration, he said, at the verge of the end of you and the beginning of God, what God wants to do. I was thinking about it. Do you know, anyone been here the first day we were in this tent? Okay, now, put your hands down. How many of you feel the difference of being here a second season? Like, do you remember the first week or two? I, I mean, the leadership was like, what is going on? Did we miss God? Because this is like stone, like an iron heaven, like it's dead out here. We had to press in. We had to, like, contend. Remember about the, even some of the prayer warriors, they said there's a dragon over this tent, and he's just hindering the outpouring of God. But we didn't just say, oh, no, let's run back in the building. Ah! No, we fought for it. We prayed for it. We did prayer walks. We stood out here in worship. We said, we don't care what you think. We're going to declare the glory of God. Hallelujah. Breakthrough. And guess what? It broke through, and heavens are open. Harvest is coming. And now this is a very promise of the place of transition into the new season. I don't know about you. I'm excited. Some of you in the back need to dance a little bit. Just stand up and just do. Okay, gosh. I can dance and sing, and you still don't smile. Okay. Last person that came was Kenesha. Now, last year when Kenesha came, we had to have a massive debrief. There were so many people that were like, what's going on? What she said, she said. And I'll tell you, you know, sometimes prophetic people are messy. You know, they're more like led by what they, their unction of God is. But they don't necessarily interpret properly. They don't like get dates right. They say they might like, Lord's going to do this within two weeks. Sometimes that doesn't happen. And I don't base my life and my relationship with God on prophetic people. They're meant to encourage, exhort, edify. You're supposed to take the essence of what they're saying and place it on your prayer shelf. And as you pray, reflect and think on these things and consider and say, Lord, how does this relate? Is it now? Is it later? What are you saying? They're meant to like just stir us, to confirm things. Well, Kenesha affirms so much. It's a powerful best year yet. She said things like Genesis 26, 12. She shared the scripture about digging wells. She had no idea this was our main, one of the main messages when we launched Storm back in like 2000. 
We went around New England preaching Genesis about God's calling us to redig the wells. And if you don't know what to do, dig a new well. Release the water of heaven, the rivers of living water. This was like powerful. I didn't even share this with her, but she talked about entrepreneurial again, same as Dan Lee. She talked about abundance. And I want you to remember my last message. It's a fine line. There's always tension. Remember when I stood up here and said, if I'm pursuing the promise of wealth, it's one step away from pursuing God who is promising wealth. Do you get that? This here is a heart of obedience. I am pursuing God who has promised the land, which we received all of it. The wealth which we are receiving, the waters are rising quickly. And he is going to fulfill the promise of massive souls coming to know the love of God. The gospel being spread across the earth to the nations. That is one step away from someone who's in idolatry, who has lost sight of the provider of the promise and now pursuing the things he promised. You can't afford to miss this. We have a promise of wealth, but I'm not pursuing wealth. I'm pursuing God. It's the same for everything. It's the same about your family. If you are pursuing the promise of your healthy family over the Lord, you have missed it, folks. You need to pursue God. If you seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, all things will be given to you. If you seek to save your life, you will lose it. Really, this is such a simple message. But we need to hear it over and over and over because we are masters of deception. We are walking right now with Jesus in real time. And all of these voices are calling for genuine obedience to God. You knowing God and hearing from him and responding appropriately. We've been encouraged to, with expectancy to look for the rain. Just like Elijah, seven times he went and sent his servant to look. Is it coming yet? He came back. How many of you would stop after three times? Oh, I must have missed it. Hey, that might be another, another life group question. What do you feel God's promised you? And have you stopped expecting the same God that has been faithful in your life time and time again to not follow through again because he's not faithful? My goodness, he is faithful when you're faithless. God is good all the time. Yes. She said something that I'm like going to quote every day to myself. God is about to put some super on your natural. Come on, like, I'm not Dan Lee, but let's say this. Come on, say, God is going to put some super in your natural. Go ahead, say it. There were clear qualifications, too, in Kay's message, you know, like not only about finances, obedience, not for you, but for, for God's work. She said, abundance is not for you, it's for God's work. If you didn't hear that, you could easily miss it. You could easily get offended when she said, you deserve it. Now, 
whenever someone says that in a Christian setting, I'm like, ding, ding, my antennas go up, and I'm like, uh, I don't deserve anything. I'm a sinner saved by grace. Hallelujah. Jesus alone deserves it. But in the context of what she was saying, folks, she was not saying you deserve it as a human. She was contending against poverty mindset, lack, doubt, fear, lack of identity, and she was saying, you deserve it. You are a child of the king. Walk in that courageously. Walk in the confidence. You deserve it because he is determined you deserve it as someone who has received the work of Christ on the cross. Stop doubting. Stop fearing. Stop saying, as some poverty orphan who says, oh, but what if, what if, what if, what if this doesn't happen? I'm telling you, folks, I've been in a lot of business deals. A lot of them. I fixed and flipped properties for decades. And I have not been in one, I don't know, maybe, I'd have to really think about this, but I haven't been in many that you didn't have to fight for your life. In prayer, in contending, I'm telling you, entrepreneurism is not for the weak in heart. You have to set your eyes on something and you fight for it and you go after it. And that's what Kanisha was calling forth. She's like, stop thinking like God is not behind you when you have sought him with your whole heart. And I'm not talking about like presumptuously going and claiming an escalade when you can't afford it. That's not God. I think it's pathetic. I bring it up because it was a real situation that happened a decade ago with a Word of Faith church. And someone said, yeah, I couldn't afford it, but I believed, so I just stepped out and bought one. And I said, you are a fool. That is so presumptuous and so unbalanced. Believe God for putting it in your account and then step out. And and don't do it for something so self-centered. Like, how about believing God to change your neighborhood? Or believing God to change your school? Or intervene with a lost loved one. That's what I call stepping out in faith. Praying courageous, bold prayers. Come on. It's a fine line. I want to kind of end with this story in the scripture. And I feel it's so relevant to where we're at right now. Number 13. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, now God is the one that was initiating this whole thing. Keep in mind that. Send out men for yourself to spy out Canaan, which I'm going to give the sons of Israel. There it is. That's a promise. Moses, I'm going to give you the promised land, the land of Canaan. So send out some spies from your your troop. And he, he really says, you know, send out all those who are the heads of the sons of Israel. Send out your leadership team and scout out Canaan. Well, what happens? You guys all know the story. When Moses sent them out to spy to them, he said, go up, see what the land's like, whether the people live in it are strong or weak, whether there are few or many. How's the land which they live? Is it good or bad? How are the cities in which they live? Are the people in open camps or in fortifications? How is the land? Is it productive or unproductive? Are the trees in it or not? Show yourselves courageous and get some of the fruit of the land. Now's the time, you know, that was the season for the first grapes. So they went and spied out the land as far as Rehob. When they had gone into the Jev. 
they saw the, the descendants of Anak. Then they came to the valley of Eskel, from which they cut a branch of a single cluster of grapes. Two people carrying it on a pole, two men, because it was so big. Grapes the size of watermelon. When they returned from spying out the land at the end of 40 days, they went on and came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation. Now, folks, this is not um, Victor the Visitor. This is Larry the leader. And Loretta the leader. These are the, the, the proven men that were overseeing the house of Israel. They brought back the word to all of Israel. They reported and say, we came into the land where you sent us. And it certainly does flow with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Nevertheless... The people who live in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. And indeed, we saw the descendants of Enoch there. Amalek is living in the land where the Jebusites and Amorites are living on a hill country and the Canaanites are living by the sea. Then Caleb quieted the people. He was one that went. We should by all means go up and let's take possession. For we certainly will prevail over it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people. They are too strong for us. So they brought a bad report of the land which they had spied out. The land through which we have gone to spy is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw there are of great stature. We saw the Nephilim there. And we were like grasshoppers. Then the whole congregation cried out, and the people wept that night. And all the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the entire congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt! Oh, wow! Oh, that's a good one. Go ahead, Gary. Just say it once more. Here we are, the leaders, Loretta and Larry, and their company of faithful associates, went to spy out the land and confirm that everything was good, exactly what the Lord had promised. Then they came back, and they began to interpret with their own opinion how we would never enter into the promise of God because there's all these physical limitations. Sure, they were seeing things accurately, but their big sin was they interpreted according to their own understanding. Listen, folks, this is not something you go, oh, those foolish Israelites. You need to say, oh, boy, I better be careful. Foolish sinner saved by grace and can easily lean on his own understanding. Moses and Aaron, they want to return to slavery. They said, let's go back to Egypt. Now, I know it's incredulous, right? I have a hard time seeing that, but I know my frailty enough to know I have the same stinking thinking 
And I think I have a hunch that maybe there's some others that do in this room. So Moses and Aaron fell on their faces in the presence of all the congregation. And Joshua, one of those who spied out the land, tore his clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation and sons, saying, The land which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. The Lord is pleased with us. Then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the people of the land, for they will be our prey. Their protection is gone from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them, for all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Then the glory of the Lord appeared in the tent. So basically, they're going to kill the faithful servants of the Lord who are trying to tell the people of Israel the truth and they don't want to hear it because they're full of fear, the opposite of love. And they're full of lies and their own thinking instead of submitting to the living God, the one that led them through this whole thing. And God says, oh no you don't. Pfft, glory flash. I'm here to interrupt this whole fiasco and tell you, you are so wrong and you're so rebellious. And then there were judgment that actually comes out upon the people. And the one who's getting ready to be stoned says, stop, stop, Lord, please don't kill them. How long will these people be disrespectful to me? The Lord said, how long will they not believe me despite all the signs I've performed in their midst? I will strike them with a plague and dispossess them. And I will make you into a greater nation than they. He's literally telling the two faithful servants, listen, stand back. I'm going to annihilate all these people and I will increase you till you're ten times greater. Think about your life. Which tight do you fit? Be honest with yourself. Do you have apprehension and fear and lies that you can't control? Do you step out in faith? Do you succumb to sin and, and, and the ploys of the enemy instead of rising up as a faithful warrior who can manage and wield the word of God over your own heart? How do you think if you can't manage your own heart, you can save a city? Folks, manage your heart. Stand up and start to take authority and live in the word of the Lord. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to cut this short. Moses said to the Lord, the Egyptians will hear, and then will hear of it. For by your strength, you brought this people up from their midst, and they will tell it to all the inhabitants of this land. They have heard that you, Lord, are in the midst of your people, because you, Lord, are seen eye to eye while your cloud stands over them, and you go before them. He's basically saying, you've been so faithful, your people, don't let another rumor spread. Now, if you 
put this people to death all at once, then the nations who have heard of your fame will say, since the Lord could not bring this people into the land which he promised, he slaughtered them in the wilderness. So now please, let the power of the Lord be great, just as you have declared, saying the Lord is slow to anger and abundant in mercy, forgiving wrongdoing and violation of his law, but he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished inflicting the punishment to the fathers and the children to the third and fourth generations. Please forgive the guilt of this people in accordance with the greatness of your mercy, just as you have also forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. So the Lord said, I have forgiven them in accordance with your word. However, as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Certainly all the people who have seen my glory and my signs, which I performed, yet have put me to the test these ten times, and have not listened to my voice, shall by no means see the promised land. But it's for my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully. I will bring him into the land which he entered, and his descendants shall take possession of it. Now the Amalekites and Canaanites live in the valleys, turn tomorrow and set out for the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, how long will I put up with this evil congregation who are grumbling against me? I have heard the complaints against me. Say to them as I live, declares the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. Your dead bodies will fall in the wilderness, all your numbered men according to the complete number, from 20 years old and up, who have grumbled against me. By no means will you come into the land where I swore to settle you, except for Caleb and Joshua. Your children, however, whom you said would become plunder, I will bring them in and they will know the land which you have rejected. As for your dead bodies, they will fall in the wilderness. In accordance with the number of days that you spied out the land, 40 days, for every day you shall suffer the punishment for your guilt. Now this, I know this is heavy, but I so feel like we got to be, we have to make it through the refiner's fire, folks. We have to be challenged, like now, or other too much is going to be at stake. Simply put, folks, we got to trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. If you can't take care of your own heart, you are not going to do anything further for the Lord. If you can't trust him and obey him with your own heart, you cannot go any further. How can you believe for the goodness on an entire region or a town or a workplace if you can't believe that his goodness is extended toward your own heart? When are we going to stop thinking he's out to torment us or withhold blessing from us? How are we so easily led astray by idols? 
and counterfeits and secondary things. There's so much happening right now, folks. What he said about this season being so rare and so precious is an understatement. I wanted to share some of these things, but I'm not. I'm going to share it next week, God willing, and share some of the, I mean, just this week, my phone is flooded with people outside the church that aren't even Christian telling me how amazing the church is. I'm talking everything from town officials to people who do tests on our buildings and stuff to like people who haven't ever visited here once to people in whole other industries that are they catch a glimpse and go, oh my gosh, this place is amazing. I just sat there and went, what is going on? I'll share some specifics later, but like, I am amazed. I'm like, where am I? Am I in a dream somewhere? And I'm telling you folks, those of you who are struggling with thoughts that There's failure ahead of you or there's like certain struggles aren't going to pan out right. I'm telling you, you're wrong. If you will turn to the Lord and in expectancy believe and pursue and persevere what he has spoken for you to do. And you will hold fast. You will see the glory of God. You will see the faithfulness of God. Come on, let's just respond to him in prayer. I want to pray for you. Lord, I just pray. I pray that the word of the Lord would pierce our hearts. Lord, I pray that there would be people turning to you in prayer and fasting and worship. I pray that they would have the courage to obey you. I pray right now for those who are facing adversity or bad reports. And I pray, Lord, you release the spirit of Aaron and Caleb in them, that they'd rise up and say, oh no, oh no, that doesn't fall in line with who I knew God to be. I know his heart. I know his nature. I know his plan. I know I've walked obediently after him, and I will stand. I will see the word of the Lord fulfilled in my midst. Come out right now. I want you to just talk to the Lord. I want you to tell him, Lord, do your will in my life. I will pursue you. I will persevere after you. I will not listen to the bad report. I will not listen to the lies of the enemy. I will stand. God's going to call some of you into a whole new place of prayer where you begin to, I, just as I said that, I felt like the Lord said, and as you do, you will be healed. Some of you are going to see miracles in your prayer closet. Like literally, you're going to be like, wow, no one prayed for me. God's going to let his glory loose and begin to demonstrate the reality of his power and might and faithfulness for you personally. Lord, I pray for those also that are in battles right now of just contending in different levels of maybe relational conflict, work conflict difficult situations where it doesn't seem to go as they thought you were going to take care of things. I pray right now for courage and strength to be deposited in their hearts. Lord, I pray that they would persevere to see the hand of God move. 
pour out strength, pour out hope right now, Lord God. I pray. Come on, talk to the Lord. Some of you that are discouraged need to literally just invite the Lord's hope and invite the Lord's clarity into the situation. Come on, do not grow faint in well-doing. For in due season you shall reap. Pour out, I pray for a visitation of the Holy Spirit right now, Lord. Lord, I pray encouragement on hearts. I pray direction. I pray for next steps. I pray that they would not grow faint. Strengthen, strengthen, strengthen every heart, every feeble, weak knee and legs and arms. Pour out, Lord. I pray that repentance would flow like a river. Lord, we pray you forgive us for stubbornness. Lord, we pray you forgive us for so easily falling into agreement with the lies of the enemy, the discouragement, the cares of this world. I declare that people would have super on their natural. I pray people would start to rise up and say, oh no, that is not the way of the Lord. He has spoken clearly. No, I will stand. I will stand and declare the glories of God. Oh, it's a season for demonstration, folks. It's a season. God's promises will be fulfilled. People will stand and they will not be dismayed. They will not be discouraged. They will not be embarrassed for standing for what the Lord says.